day, the weightier it's getting. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but the weightier. So it's a bit of a privilege, I have to say. I find myself in the morning time going, wow, this is a bit of a privilege to, to try and to bring forth God's word. But thank God it's not up to me. <laughs> uh, it's up to him. And uh, so I'm just going to quickly pray about that. Lord God, it is a privilege that I can get to, to speak about your word. And Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit fill me now and let the words that come out of my mouth are, are aligned with heaven itself. And I pray that as your words go forth, Lord, they will, they will set a seed in our hearts. They will be our daily bread. They'll set our hearts on fire. And they will seed deeply into each one of us. And that they're for us, that they're made revelation into our hearts and in, as, we, as we push forward your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, what I'm going to do, something a little bit, don't worry, I won't have you there talking to each other. Well, I'm not doing that this morning. Um, I'm going to just very quickly just run through. I found th- this week was Mark 12 to 16. I have to say, I, I was like, wow, there's, there's just so much in it. Uh, those that know me, I mark, I highlight everything, I tab everything and all that kind of crack, and I just found so much. So I'm just going to quickly, before I get into it, just going to quickly just try and pull out, and hopefully you're, you're following us on, the, on not us, following the Bible project, right? It's just so, such a good thing to do. I got so much out of it, and I've read Mark a few times at this stage, and I just found myself pulling out more and more, and just asking the Holy Spirit to to show revelation upon revelation, and that's what's available to us. So I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis of Mark 12, if, um, if, you, if you didn't get a chance to see it. No, no, no slides, no slides. I'll, I'll go through it. If you have a, a, an app or if you have your scripture with you, just have a look at Mark 12. Um, and it's funny what hit me this week with Mark 12. There was about four or five places um, uh, where Jesus tested, Teacher, should we pay taxes? Now, guys, what struck me about this when his answer, right, is so beautiful, is, um, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. No man can come up with it. No one's that clever. I was just like, this is brilliant. This is so good. Only, no one can write that. You know, only Jesus could do something like that. So clever, so beautiful. And then, um, er, lower down, um, Jesus said something that I never, ever thought. Uh, One of the teachers... I had said, uh, asked him a question, what is, what is the greatest commandment? And, commandment? and Jesus said the Shema. Obviously, he, he reiterated from Deuteronomy, oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one, and uh, one and only Lord. And, and then the teacher says back to Jesus, well said. And then Jesus says to him, you're closer to the kingdom than you think. I love that. I love that, that Jesus said to him, you're getting it. You're getting it. Slowly but surely, you're getting it. So it just shows you it's a process of coming to the Lord as such. It's not a simple prayer at times. Um, one other thing I'll, I'll just reiterate from, from uh, Mark 12 is it, uh, it shows how, um, how Jesus is God. Because he reiterates from David himself, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit in honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. The reason why I, I like those verses that highlight the, the Trinity and, and, and the, the, um, the oneness between the Father and Son and the Spirit is because I believe in the last days that's going to come under attack. 
because as little mini antichrists, you know, and then leading up to the antichrist, that's what's going to happen. They're going to, the antichrist will try and pull down Jesus. There's religions, Christian religions today, that believe Jesus is an angel, for example. And that's why I like seeing things like that, and it's good education, it's good to mark those things off that you can say, actually, hold on a sec here. So it's good to do that. Um, and then uh, in, in Mark 13, um, this is a cracking chapter. I'd, I'd advise you to read it um, because it, it warns us, Jesus um, shows about the, the end times and, and what's going to happen and not to be misled and what's going to happen around those times. To, and he tells us clearly here, watch out, be on your guard because what you have is really precious and it will, under, it will come under attack. Anyway, that was the synopsis. I wanted to touch on those few on those, but today I'm going to touch on um, Mark 16. But before I do that, um, Mal, I've a slide. I think one slide just there with a few scriptures. Um, so, uh, where have I got this one? Jesus. Um, yeah, thank you, Mal. Jesus in one of the one of the chapters in Mark, um, I think it's in fourteen, uh, where he's talking to the guys at the Last Supper, and he 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 speaks out. Zechariah thirteen seven. See here it says, "Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, the man who is my partner." This is a really important text to get a hold of um, before I go to the main part of, of what I'm going to talk about. And, and what strikes me here, uh, what Jesus is saying this, just look at what it says. God, the Father, is saying, awake, O sword. It's the Father saying, awake, O sword, and strike the shepherd. And that harks back to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 says, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. So it was God's good plan. Now, I sh- I've often struggled with those texts. Because you're like, wow, God, re- God crushed them? And then it says God took up the sword, and some commentaries talk about the sword being the sword of justice. And you're like, really? That's tough, isn't it? Tough one to take. That was God's plan. And then if you look at this, in Corinthians, it says this. For God made Christ, who never sinned to be offered for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And you'd really understand why he called out, Elahi, Elahi. I won't say the rest. It's my worst uh, Aramaic, as was Sabachthani, where it says here, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Because every ounce of our sin was on Jesus. And the sword fell. The sword fell. Um, I had a weird dream a few weeks ago, and I'll share this with you, a very strange dream. It was, it was a dream with no pictures. Did you ever have one of them? No, it was weird. Yeah, it was really strange. Um, And uh, I I found myself saying this, Lord, thank you for the cross. I I heard myself saying that. And it was was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said to me, careful what you're thanking for. Do you know what you're thanking for? And then he he started to tell me it it wasn't the cross, it's what happened on the cross. It was an execution that happened on the cross. The severity of your sin had to be put to death. It was so serious. It had to be executed. It had to be dragged to the cross. Jesus was the only one that did it. 
And that was a bit of a teaching moment for me, I have to say. Even though when I say I thank you for the cross, Jesus, I kind of a little bit go, yeah, okay, thank you, what happened on the cross. But it was a big teaching moment, so I thought I'd share that with you um, in the context of this. I think that's really important. That took an execution to get rid of your sin. And then that's how much God loves you because the execution could only happen with him. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he hates sin. And how much he doesn't want it a part of your life. That's how much. But that's how you reconcile wrath of God and the love of God with Jesus. That we live in the love of God rather than his wrath. A cross made for you or me. Jesus climbed on it and took away our sin. Anyway, so that's, that's not the main part of the ceremony. Part of the ceremony, the sermon. Um, we're going to talk today um, a little bit about in, in Mark 16... Uh, Jesus' commission at the end. Mal, I think I have that uh, scripture. If you want to share it up, please. So the commission. Um, and, and just see how this sits with you. I'll read this out. And then he told them, go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes in safety. And they will drink, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he has taken them to heaven and sat, sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they, had, what they said by many miraculous signs. How does that sit with you? Do you feel a part of that commission? Do you feel a part of that mission? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my heart. I do feel part of that. I, I really, really do. But I don't think I've taken up my part in it uh, as much as Jesus has asked. I don't think... I've taken up my assignment fully. I don't think I've, I've said, Jesus, where do you want me to be your hands and feet to heal? Where do you want me to go and, and preach like this? This is easy, right? You're all Christians. It's easy to preach. You know what I mean? So I'm like, Jesus, where do I know I need to preach to where somebody doesn't believe? That's good. That's difficult. That's, I'm like, nah, Jesus, I'm comfortable here. Thanks a million on a Sunday morning where people are like, you know, with you on the journey. But I'm like, oh, hold on a second now. Have I really co-partnered with Christ? I have to say, I think you can all agree that the world is in a bit of a jocker. I think we can all relate to that. Pretty crappy. And dare I say it, if, if, if somebody was on a desert island, island born on a desert island, came into the world, realized what all was happening, read scripture and said, wow, there's a church that goes around doing this stuff? They'd probably go, where is that church? Where is that church? Where is this hands and feet that, I'm talk- that, that we're talking about? Look at the context this scripture is put in. Jesus has just bet the living crap out of Satan. The authority that Adam had given Satan. Jesus has just taken it off him. You have no authority anymore. He didn't deal with his power. Satan still has power. John 10.10. The enemy comes to steal, destroy. 
right? We've seen the enemy work, even try, work in our own lives, right? Destroy things, manipulate, all that stuff. He still has power on earth. But the authority, he doesn't have authority. Christians, I don't think, realize that. We let Satan have a bit of a field day. So look at the context of these words. Jesus isn't going, go on, off you go. He's not saying that. He's saying, because <laughs> if you look at Matthew 28, 18, it says, therefore, uh, so it says here, look, um, look at the context. Uh, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, another, another Trinitarian text, which is really important for now. There's one name. In the commission word, we, it, it, in the commission, you see co-mission. That's what we see. We see it's partnering. Right? You're, you're like Lord of the Rings, where little Frodo is given the most immaculate, ridiculous task on the face of the planet and he has to go and try and get this ring to to Mordor I know what I would have done with the ring I'm fine in the shower thanks I'll have a few beers but that's literally like John Eldridge says this it's like Jesus says here you go get on to Normandy Beach rescue the world but I'll be with you (laughs) you're like oh really thanks a million for that that's what it's like we're in a world at war that's the context we live in So what is the commission? Uh, Mal, I think I have this on the slide. I hope. So what is the commission? It's the claiming back of the spaces and people on earth for God. Whether we like it or not, he gives us that task. He gives us that assignment. It's all his power. And I have to say, that quickens my heart going, Lord, how much have I engaged with your, your mission? What have you assigned to me? How much have I... What have, I, what have I not done? I've, I've done some, but have I done it all? So here we have it. Satan still has power, but God has chosen us to be in the, the enforcers of his son's authority. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you, I love this translation, this one from Mark 16, 18. It comes from the NLT. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth, it will be permitted in heaven. That really struck me when I was looking at this, going, Lord, what am I permitting? What am I allowed to happen in my family? What am I allowed happening in me? What am I allowed happening in my church? What am I allowed happening in my community? What am I allowed happening in work? That you've given me authority to deal with the enemy, to deal with what's happening. The sad thing is, Fortunately, as some Christians, like I'll just speak for myself, I've permitted a lot to happen in my home, in my family, and in my community, right under my very own nose, not realizing the authority I have in Jesus. There's been times where I've really felt that assignment, where I've taken action, where I've gone, no, this is, I've had enough. That's it. Now I can see for what it is, what's happening. And there's been other times where I haven't taken action. I've wimped out. There's times where it's really worked. There was one time uh, 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 somebody close to us uh, stayed over in our house and they're a Freemason. Um, and I just felt this horrendous spirit come with them. Woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, 
It was awful. It was a horrible presence in the home. And I claimed back my house. I felt the Holy Spirit say, claim back your house now. I went into the bathroom and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed until it lifted. But the thing was that I took authority. Key thing, God kept on saying, take authority, take authority. And it's really important. Another time, uh, I was reading a book and in this book it said this guy had, had warts on his hand and the Holy Spirit said to him, you're allowing that to happen. You're allowing that. That's not from God. You're allowing that to happen. And he prayed over his hands and prayed and prayed and prayed and the warts were gone. He had them for years. And when I read that, I was like, wow, I have a, I have a knuckle problem. One knuckle on my finger never healed. I always cracked skin. It was awful, always, for years. I was like, this is ridiculous. Tried everything. One month of prayer healed. You're like, now, your heart may go, ah, come on, Bernard, come on. Try not to go there. Because that's where my heart went to. The enemy trying to snip in and go, nah, come on, mate, it's a knuckle. Hands to that. You're like, no, I had it for years. I prayed over for a month. I took authority, and it's gone. And what I love about Jesus, he's teaching all of us. He's growing us up. Take little battlegrounds. Little battlegrounds. Starts in your home. So fathers taking full authority in your home over your, your spouses, over your children. And if, you, if there's no fathers in the home or whatever, over your own home, you're living on your own, you take full authority in your home. In Jesus' name. It's such an important thing to do. So I remember one time, um, a friend of ours said, uh, uh, their partner in Northern Ireland was on a deathbed. Family said goodbye. And I've heard these stories so many times. People coming to us going, yeah, oh, such and such on a deathbed. And, um, and I just felt something in my spirit. I felt an assignment. The only way I can ex- describe it is I felt an assignment from heaven itself. And I honestly was about to wimp out of it. Hand on heart, I was about to go, I oh, know, that's silly, that's just me thinking. So went into a room and said, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray for this guy. He's on his deathbed. His family has just said goodbye to him. He's had COVID. Okay, Lord, I feel it from you. What do you want me to do? And I heard God say, pray my power into the room right now in Northern Ireland. And I said, oh, look, I'll do it, Lord. It's all I can do. I'm really hoping at this stage that he's not going to let me down, right, that I see a miracle. Because I'm like, I'm stepping out in faith here. I'm going to feel like a wally. So I stepped out in faith. Eyes open walking. Not because of me, because of God. Because of the assignment. I really felt. And then I had to repent of the times that I, I heard and I didn't do it. Now, God in his graciousness probably gives somebody else, more than likely will give somebody else that assignment, right? Don't, you know, that's what happens. But I, I had so many opportunities not to engage and not to engage with God. And this is how he works. This is how God works assignments. So let me read out a little bit from, from a book by Dutch Sheets, Authority in Prayer. Just let me read out some parts of this. And he, this guy... Um, Absolutely incredible individual understanding scripture. So look at the times in scripture where God commissioned with somebody, co-partnered with people on earth to do amazing things, right? So he negotiated with a human so, so he wouldn't judge a city. Remember that? Abraham, oh look, if there was a few people in there, would you, would you destroy it, etc.? 
he co-partnered with a guy for rain, Elijah. It was going to rain. God can send the rain, right? And there you have Elijah praying for rain. Co-partnered with Moses to either give blessing or curses to a nation. And then God anguishing in Ezekiel, one of the one of the most scariest scriptures in 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 um, in, in in the Old Testament for me anyway, is Ezekiel twenty two thirty, where God says, "I have looked everywhere for an intercessor, so I wouldn't destroy a city." You see him asking for a prophet to prophesy to a nation in order that they might restore them. Ezekiel. See him wanting to redeem the human race, but knowing that doing so while honoring his initial decision means he'll have to become one of them. That was the biggest co-partnering. So, what are we going to do with that? What, what are we going to do with that information? You know, um, are we going to look at the commission and say, oh, healing is for somebody else? You know, are we going to step out and are you going to pray for assignments? So in a few minutes, I'm going to, we're going to pray and we're going to pray for assignments from God and go, God, where have I, can I repent of the times that I stood back and I sat in the sidelines? Just one more thing about demonic, the demonic presences that we have we have authority over. Let me read out the scripture from Mark, uh, Matthew 17. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came up and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures, suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people. How long must I... Must I um, must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was healed. Jesus goes on to say that the, the disciples asked him, how come we couldn't do anything? And it's very telling what Jesus says. That type can only be rebuked by prayer and fasting. So there's a way things work. There's a way things work. And even Jesus, definitely, obviously, he knew what was coming along. Holy Spirit would have led him. He would have fasted all the time. And obviously, he was ready and prepared to rebuke the demon. The issue with us, when we're co-partnering, or we try to, we, we think quick, quick prayers will do. Somebody comes up to you in church, hey, I don't feel well, or I have an issue, or and you go, oh, okay, let me pray. And it's a quick one. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about my, my experience. It's a quick prayer and on your way. That's not how it works. I believe God is growing us up. And I believe the invitation for us as a congregation to step into that growing up, into maturing, into, into the battleground that is our world around us and as a way things work. So we're too quick to rush in and rush out. Not, seeing, not seeking Jesus first. What about asking, Jesus, what is this? John Eldridge has a great book called Moving Mountains on Prayer. If, you're in, if you really want to improve your prayer life, have a look at that book or, or even Dutch Sheets. It's amazing and weaves through, through scriptures beautifully. And he says, 
You've got to ask Jesus, Jesus, what's going on here? So is it a physical ailment? Is it demonic? You got to, otherwise you're going to go in and you could be like just bed up and thrown out the door. There's a ways thing, way things work. So I believe that fasting is not just for elders, not just for pastors, not just for leaders in the church. It's for all of us to engage. Fasting is really difficult. I find it really difficult. I find I get multiple headaches, but in God's graciousness, he, he's told me that. I just, that's just him telling me that I drink too much tea and I need, and I need caffeine. Um, but I think it should be part of your menu. And if it's not, I ask you to seek the Lord. Ah, uh, 24 hours, Jenny Markers. 24 hours, that's the longest I can go. Now, that's okay. Um, Derek Prince does a brilliant book on fasting. And what he does, tells you is, don't do a full 24 hours first. Don't be a muppet like I did. I had to come off because I got migraines and I was really sick. But fasting is a, is a key thing. What it does, it cleanses your body and it gets you spiritually connected to the Lord. There's loads on that, right? But it's re- and, and as Jesus had said, it gives you a keen insight into how you can take authority in situations in your life. So I don't know whether you know this, right? But it's really, I, I, I thought I'd share it with you. Every Friday morning, the elder team meets, right? The elders meet on a Friday morning. And this is what I can see happens on, on, on Friday mornings now. As an elder team, we're growing up. And honestly, the prayers that happen in that elder meeting, you'd be like, wow, this is, this is good. God is, God is teaching us about authority. Authority of what we allow happen in congregations, what we allow, what we're praying over people's lives. And, what, and I th- why do I say that? Not to glorify the elders, not at all, jeepers. Not at all. It's, it's to show you that we're grown up too. God is teaching us to take authority in places. And I, I believe that it's not just for us. And we believe it's not just for us. He's growing all of us up to take authority in our homes and so on. If you're stuck and you're like, where do I begin? Many years ago, I used to coach a football team. And I remember one guy shouting, or, or me shouting at a, at a guy going, you're lost in the game. You're lost in the game. Like you're a headless chicken kind of thing. Probably shouldn't have shouted that onto him, but however, how demotivating. But lovely nonetheless. So I remember saying to him this, this, and God brought it back to me this morning. He says, what do I do? What do I do? I'm not in the game. I was like, yeah, you're not in the game. Do what you can do. Do what you know is good. Defend. I was like, this is weird. And then God, oh, the Spirit led me to Ephesians this morning, where I was put on the armor of God. So if you're lost in the fog going, okay, this is great, Bernard. Thanks for the sermon, but where do I begin? Begin with seeking the Lord and defending your own territory. Defending. Putting on the armor of God every day. Do you do that every day? Amen. I don't. (laughs) I don't. But it's not good. It's not good. I'm actually getting back into the habit now. And I'm realizing and seeing the power of that. Of being in in that defensive motion. If 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 you're not. If you don't have authority over your own home. Your own life. And you're not taking that. You can't press the enemy forward. That's why God gives you those those things um, in Ephesians. Breastplate of truth. Oh, sorry, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, 
Helmet of salvation, shoes of the gospel, shield of faith, and then one thing is the sword of spirit. Right? You've got to get all the other. There's a reason why you've got to get all the other things right first. Then you can go on the attack. So, are you, are you ready to ask God for assignments? Like, amen. And are you ready to, to co-partner with God? Like the world is in desperate need, folks. It's in desperate need of a church to take authority in our communities. And it's not true what we, it's not true our power. It's only true, it's only true the power of God. But he's asked you to co-partner with him. And what does that look like? Now, if you're like me, that you go, okay, Lord, where do you begin? Where do I begin? Where do you begin? Seeking Jesus. Seeking him and saying, look, Lord, what are the assignments that I've missed? I repent of those things that I didn't do. And show me the assignments. And I guarantee you, I promise you, he'll put people on your heart. There's a reason why um, you you, you get people on your heart every day. I don't know if you notice this, but I do. And I've gotten into the habit of going, okay, that has to be from God. I start praying over them. Don't ignore those, those little hints from the Holy Spirit. They're little assignments from heaven. Just they're teaching you. They're growing you up. They're making stuff happen.